oxytocin in some circles, which I always find very funny, they call it the cuddle hormone because it's a hormone that draws us to connect with others. It's like the social hormone. What's so fascinating about the stress response is not only is it mobilizing resources with adrenaline and cortisol and these types of things, even dopamine plays a role there, but oxytocin secreted from the stress response, which I thought was fascinating. It's like, well, why would the body during a time of stress secrete oxytocin? Because you need to reach out to people and ask for support. How cool is that? Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have on the show Matthew Lobosco. Matthew is an author, a coach, a movement specialist, and a presenter. He has been working intricately with individuals from all aspects of life over the last two decades, supporting them in the space of physical, systemic, and mental well-being. He has a formal education in psychology from Rutgers and a degree from the American Institute of Alternative Medicine. He's also a fellow of Applied Functional Science, practitioner in modern applied psychology, and a certified HeartMath personal resilience coach. And today we are talking really all about the topic of his new book, which is the difference between health and vitality and why we should all stop trying to be healthy. When I tell you this is one of my favorite conversations, this episode honestly went a total different direction than I had initially. Not a totally different direction because I did want to talk about that, but I had really planned to talk about some other things, but it just went in this direction that I mean, I could have talked to him. I told him after I like, I could have talked about this for the next three hours. Like it was such a good conversation. He has so much insight from all of these. I mean, he, he has moved and he'll tell you in the show, he has moved his family, him and his family so many times throughout the last 20 years studying and just really dissecting these foundations of health of, of the traditional, you know, quote unquote health model and, and just has this mission, this purpose to really create this new paradigm. Um, vitality. And so I, I love this conversation. I love all of the that he shares. So there's so many nuggets in here. You might want to take notes, but there's so much good stuff in here. I just love talking to Matthew. So let's jump in. All right, y'all let's jump in. I'm here with Matthew and we are talking all about health and vitality today and his book also on the same subject, which I'm excited to chat about. So thanks so much for joining me today, Matthew. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much. Yes, for sure. So Let's kind of start, I guess, from the beginning, if you can just kind of give the audience a little introduction, talk about who you are and what you do. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I can tell a little bit about where it all started, right? We all have mm -hmm. our stories. Mm -hmm. I always get such a kick out of just seeing random people walking around the world and just look at them and say, you know what? They have a whole story. They too, have right? a story. That's right. They have a story. <laughs> so here's my story, right? Let's hear it. Yeah. I was a, I was a three-sport athlete in high school. And I grew up in the medical model. My my dad was a doctor. My mom was a nurse practitioner. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of perks to having you know medical professionals in your home, high access to pretty much whatever you, whatever the medical field can offer you. And so a lot of perks. And I needed all of them based on what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> because at a very young age, I just was struggling with a lot of We'll just call it sports injuries, orthopedic injuries, 
I uh, had my first surgery in a sophomore in high school and then kind of literally limped my way through high school sports. I had to stop playing baseball actually before I even got to high school and then had to quit soccer my junior year after making the all state team, which wasn't really fun not to come back my senior year after that. And then I was able to kind of squeak in my basketball in my senior year. And about a month before the season ended, I had a really bad ankle injury and finished my high school career 40 points sco- short of scoring a thousand points. So it was, it was a little rough, uh, you know, on the old ego there as a 17, 18 year old kid. And, you know, I, I just kind of, kind of grew up at that time with like, what is going on? Like, why does my body keep breaking down? And why do I keep needing surgeries? I had three surgeries before I was 20 years old. And then I turned down two major surgeries between 20 and 23. And I became obsessed, would be one word, (laughs) about getting strong. And I did a deep dive into, we'll just call it the traditional fitness model and um, strength training and got every certification you could possibly imagine, Olympic strength training. I mean, it's just off the charts, spending money I didn't have to learn from the gurus and experts out there. And I got really, really strong. And I'm from New Jersey, so I can say this. I was a Jersey meathead. (laughs) Okay, that's just the way that was. And, uh, you know, at one point, I was probably 215, 8% body fat, looked the fitness, you know, the fitness model would consider I've arrived. And I'll remember this day because it obviously changed. It literally was the day that set me on the trajectory that I'm at now. And I was, I was in the Upper East Side working out with a buddy of mine. I mean, we were doing, you know, military press on a, on a seated bench and we were going for a PR personal record. And uh, I remember sitting on that bench and there was a lot of weight on that bar and he helped me unrack it. I pressed it over my head, brought it down, racked it. And I'm going to tell you, Hope, like in that moment, there was hope. <laughs> I said, <laughs> you know what? I feel like I finally arrived. I feel like I've overcome all of these injuries. I'm not broken. Yay for Matt. <laughs> Got up off the bench, took three steps, and my whole right arm went, and I couldn't move it. Oh, my God. I mean, it was brutal. And this was, was the elbow. I already had surgery on. and did all the rehab on it and so on and so forth. And it was, it was rough because I was like, man, maybe I am totally screwed here. I'm (laughs) totally broken. And, you know, I had my orthopedics surgeons number on speed bile by that point. So that was pretty handy. (laughs) And I gave him a call and I'm like, my elbow, I'm pretty sure I, it's officially exploded. We need to get like, I got to come in for surgery. And so I went to see him that next week and uh, went in, you know, standard, you know, orthopedic appointment, you go in and they do their little poking around and they take the x-rays and they do all their assessments. And I'm anxiously waiting in that little room, right? That they keep so damn cold. And, (laughs) you know, and you're waiting for him to come back in the room so that he can tell you what's wrong with you and how we can fix you, right? It's like, oh, please come save me. And I'll never forget what he said when he came in the room. He came in the room, he looked at me and he goes, Matt, I don't see anything wrong with your elbow. What? Like, I don't know, whatever it was in that moment just hit me like like a two by four. I'm like, how could you possibly say that? Right. And what occurred to me is like, oh, your machines can't figure out what's wrong, like what's going on. Okay, I get that. But what I also realized in that moment, Hope, is how unfair it is for me to expect him to be able to have all the answers and tell me how to fix this because 
I mean, this system is intricately complex. And after all, we do call it the practice of medicine, right? Mm -hmm. like we are the test, we are practicing on, on all of us, right? And so in that moment, it just dawned on me that this model that I've been very, very intricately, you know, connected with has some major limitations. And he said, he did offer me, he's like, well, we can go in there and see what we find. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to pass this time, man. I just, <laughs> I, I, I just feel like it's time for me to, to seek other alternatives. And that right. set me on a, I'll just call it my why journey. And I just started asking the why question to everything. So every, I'll just say every accepted truth about health, every accepted approach to health, to physical rehabilitation. Why are we telling people to do bug dead bugs if they have back pain? Why are we telling people to grab this resistance band and do these external rotate? Like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why do we have people on these machines to strengthen their hamstrings? What do we strengthen their hamstrings for? Like, I was the annoying person mm -hmm. in every seminar and class that I was in, at, you know, from that day forward. And then I did the same thing with nutrition. Why is salad healthy? Why is every magazine, is there a salad on the cover? Why? Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Why is it good if there's no calories, no fat, no salt, no sugar? Why is that good again? Can somebody help me out here? I'm really not understanding this. And then I did the same thing over the last 10 years, did a wickedly deep dive, I actually got involved with a personal development company and helped build their whole company and then left at the end of last year because it got really bad. And we can save that maybe for another podcast if you want. <laughs> but just started questioning, like, why are we trying to avoid stress? Why are we trying to mitigate stress? Why are we telling people to breathe through this? Why are we telling people to let go of these things? I don't understand. Can someone please tell me why we're doing this? And I just didn't accept the reasons. Well, well, you know, it works. So then I would go to, how are we measuring it works? Because I can tell you, if someone has back pain and you put your arm around them and you say, hey, it's going to be all right, their back might feel better. So does that work to heal back pain? And if that's how we're defining it, that's fine. But I just want to understand how are we defining it works? And right. so I just went on this, like, and I mean obsessive, and you could probably tell I'm slightly intense and passionate about this stuff. And I just went after it. And, and this was 22 years of my wife and I, God bless her. We have moved, I think it's 16 times, 16, oh 17 gosh. times since we've been together because we've, I, it's been a relentless journey of seeking answers and asking people that could answer the questions in a way that was rooted in some kind of principle, some kind of something I could put my feet down on, not, you know, well, if you, if your left shoelace is untied and it's a full moon and you eat this herb, your back pain goes away. It's like, that's cool. Nothing against that, but I want more. I want something I can really use as a, as a foundation to not only help myself, but to help people help others. Yeah. yeah. So on this journey that you went on, what would you say would be I'd usually save these for the end, but we're just in it. So I might as well go for it. But like, what, what do you, I mean, you've, you've learned a lot. You've done a lot of education and all that. So what, what do you think are like the biggest things that you learn from this journey? And maybe things that like the like general population doesn't really understand. Yeah. So this kind of goes to the topic that we talked about talking about today, right? Mm -hmm. Which is. I think it's important to understand that striving to be healthy is extremely limiting. And here's what I mean by it. When you define the word health, health is defined as the absence of illness and disease. Mm -hmm. And so the entire model that we have, the best they can get you is to not be sick. And not be sick. Mm -hmm. Like, wait a minute, please. Yep. 
please tell me there's more than that. Like mm-hmm. there, there's gotta be more to life than just not being sick. And so, you know, if you look at the traditional cultures, human history, the medicine woman slash man of a village was paid to keep everybody healthy. They benefited when everybody was healthy, mm-hmm. right? If people were sick, they would be fired. Right. <laughs> they wouldn't be right. there anymore. Our society is <laughs> the true. literal opposite of that. Totally. Everybody benefits when people are sick. Are sick, yeah. So we can call that, co- you know, unintended consequences would be one friendly way to put it. <laughs> and there's other ways to put it too, but we'll, we, we won't go there. And so I think that was one thing that was so obvious to me and why... I don't want to say, I don't want people to be not trusting of what's out there. Like, I'm not here to try to create paranoia. Right. But I guess what I've learned and what I try to teach my every client I work with is how to trust their own biology, Mm -hmm. their own physiology, and how to get back connected to themselves and trust themselves. Whether you want to call it intuition, whether you want to call it the divine consciousness that lives inside of us, there's lots of different words that people will use for this. Right. But I feel like there's so much fear mongering and so much fear. And, you know, you just turn on a commercial and I'll never forget the one commercial I watched where this, you know, it's really dark, it's dreary, and there's a man walking around. You know, that 80% of men that have blue shoes on die of a heart (laughs) attack after, you know what I mean? Like, whatever the crazy. But, you know, Zabada, right? The, The drug pops on and the sun comes out. And oh, I forgot. There's a stretcher following the guy, <laughs> right? While this this you know Freddy Cougar voice is doing the narration, and then Zabada comes out, and the stretcher gets caught in the doors. <laughs> I mean, you know. I'm, anyway, oh we all. I think we all get the point. Yes. Ridiculous. And so it's like, what did I learn, and what can I offer an audience as an actual something to start to move towards? Is getting reconnected to yourself and trusting Mm -hmm. that your physiology, biology, and those whispers of knowing to put more trust in that than somebody that has a lot of letters to their next to their name that happened to benefit from whatever they're selling you. (laughs) (laughs) Now that doesn't mean that the things that the medical profession offers doesn't have use. There is absolute, there's there's a place for all of it. Mm -hmm. So I don't throw anything away, but personally, I've learned that nobody knows what's best for your body, but you, you. period, end of story. Mm -hmm. So get educated and find things that get you better connected to yourself so that you can better communicate with yourself so that you can better leverage the things that are out in the world. Right. You're not enslaved to them. Right. Yeah. No, it's a hundred percent. This is like the the like motto of my soul. Like, this is what I teach because I mean, for me, you know, I usually call it intuition or, you know, the inner voice or whatever. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. But that's the thing. I think we, you know, at some point in our lives, I don't know, I don't know what, what point that is, but at some point we somehow tune that piece out because it's always there. Right. But for some reason or some way something happens, whether it's, societal conditioning or whatever it is, we start mm-hmm. to tune that piece out. And then we think that, yeah, we have to listen. We have to go find the out- answers outside of ourselves. Like, well, somebody's got to have the answer. Because I mean, that's the women I work with. It's like, they've literally been looking everywhere. Like somebody just tell me the freaking answer. Like somebody tell me what to do. 
And yeah, I mean, I'm going to help them. But at the same time, like I want you, I want to empower you with the knowledge of how your body works and let's understand things so that you can figure it out, you know? Yeah. 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 So going back to your story, so you decided like, okay, I'm not going to do the surgery or whatever. So what was the thing that helped like, you know, your, you felt like your body was falling apart. What was the thing for you? And I'm sure it wasn't just like one thing, but what was the thing for you that helped you kind of like get your body functioning again, where you weren't falling yeah. apart? <laughs> no, great question. When I realized, and this is what I, so my mission was to find out what we're basing our recommendations off of, mm-hmm. right? Like that was the mission. And that's why mm-hmm. I did all the why asking. And what I, mm-hmm. what I found was that when it comes to physical rehabilitation and fitness, every recommendation that is being made out there is rooted in cadaveric anatomy. And so what does that mean? It means that we studied a cadaver, we looked at the bicep, we saw that it, you know, or originated up, you know, up on the shoulder, crossed over the elbow. And when we shortened it artificially, it flexed the elbow. And so we all wrote down on our little notepad, the bicep flexes the elbow. And then we did it with the hamstring and we did it with this. And and so we created this structure of how the body works off of a dead person. And then we extrapolate with human people moving that are alive and in the world, functioning in the world, and we're rehabilitating them like they're dead. Mm. And what's so fascinating when I met people that were way smarter than me, Hope, to teach me this, that when you have back pain or you're 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 trying to learn how to throw a baseball like I was or rehabilitate a knee or rehabilitate a shoulder or or a low back, all of the recommendations we're based on isolating muscles and assuming that this muscle's weak, this muscle's tight, stretch, strength, you know, bridge, all these dead bug exercises, core exercises, all of these things were literally isolating muscles, trying to get them to scream and then expecting them to work as an integrated chain. So the best analogy I can give you is, is, is if you were a conductor of an orchestra and you took every instrument, every musician, and you put them in a room and you taught each instrument to play as loud as possible right? The tubas and the the strings and the percussion, you just got everybody in isolated room to play as loud as they can. Okay. That's the do bicep curls, then do shoulder presses, then do bridges, whatever. And then bring them all into the same room and ask them to play music. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of noise, Mm -hmm. right? That's what we're doing. That's what the exercise and physical rehabilitation model predominantly does to people. So what does the hamstring do? What do the bicep do? It depends on the task. To say that the hamstring flexes the knee is like saying mom's job is to change diapers. What do moms do? They change diapers. That's what yeah. they do. Yeah. It's yeah. Like that's an insult. You want to get smacked. Like <laughs> say that to a mom, right? Totally. Like it's an insult. Well, yeah. that's how we're we're treating the body. And so I learned from, like I said, my mentors, and I I will travel to study with these people. They taught me chain reaction biomechanics. They taught me how to assess movement. So I was told never to throw a baseball again because of my elbow. And I, mm-hmm. I have nerve damage here. And mm-hmm. to this day, it was trashed and told me never to throw a ball again. Once they taught me, well, yeah, the reason why this is happening is because of all these exercises they're doing to help you re- rehabilitate it. We need to teach you how to, how it actually works right. and how the hip and the trunk and the, the, the right. shoulder, like really put the chain together. And ever since I started learning from and and the the individuals that I would give, you know, that that taught me this, I don't know anybody else out there that teaches chain reaction biomechanics, it's the Gray Institute. So I have nothing to do with them. And my my mentor that I that I talk about in my book, 
Lenny, you know, he's the one that taught me all this stuff. And I mean, I can throw a baseball. There's nothing I'm I'm limited by to this day. I, I'm honestly in better shape at 44 than I was at 23, which mm-hmm. is not usually the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. So then what do you think you talk a little bit about this? You've talked about this before. the difference between the exercise paradigm and the movement paradigm. Like what is the difference? The difference is the exercise paradigm is cadaveric anatomy based. It isolates muscles. It's more muscle focused, mm-hmm. right? It's evolved a little bit. So it's like, well, I don't do chest mat. I do push day and I yeah. do pull day, right? You know, but when you really look, you go to a gym, exercise land has a lot of rules, mm-hmm. right? That, that's how you know you're in exercise land, like hold in your, sh- you know, squeeze your gut in, bring your shoulder blades down, keep your chin up, knees over second toe. Don't let the da da da. It's very rigid, very robotic. Yeah. And it creates dysfunction. Okay. Now, if you come to me and say, Matt, I want to win a bodybuilding competition, then you need to do bench pressing. So this idea of functional exercise, like that word, I think is, I don't know what people mean when they say it, because for a a power lifter, bench pressing is a functional exercise. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I distinguish it. Functional exercise is relative to what the person's trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Anatomically functional, that's how I think about it. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, would the body prefer to do it that way? Right. No, it wouldn't. Like what we'd call a cheat curl, you know, in exercise land is actually the way the body would prefer to do it because it makes more sense. <laughs> it never wants to isolate anything right. and repetitively move it over and over again. It's, it right. doesn't make any sense. It's not efficient. Right. You know, so that's exercise paradigm. It's anytime parts of the body are frozen and other parts of the body are moving. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying there's not a place for that. So don't, don't get me wrong. Like there's a place for everything. Yeah. But if you want, you know, what I would call vitality, which is longevity and the ability to to play soccer with your kids someday or be able to bend over and pick something up without your back exploding when you're <laughs> 70, like you want to make sure your foundational workout program, in my opinion, is rooted in integrated movements. And I'm going to use the word squatting and lunging, but there are the exercise equivalents of squatting and lunging right? A, like a exercise squat is very rigid. And all those rules I said, in my world, a movement squat is literally bending over and picking something up and basically breaking every rule that the exercise paradigm has. Like make sure you flex your spine. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most important thing with the movement squat is flex your spine, right? In exercise land, it's like, oh my God, don't flex your spine, <laughs> right? But suck your, suck your gut in there really hard because we got to make sure your back doesn't explode. Yeah, It's like, well, maybe we should rethink this. Why do we have to create such of this intra-abdominal pressure yeah. in order to keep this exercise safe? Maybe it's maybe we weren't really designed to do it that way. Right. What do you think in terms of, because you mentioned before, like we try so hard to avoid stress and we try. So, so what do you like, what's the alternative in your mind and in, in talking about vitality? Like what's the alternative? Yeah. Another great question. And this is probably one of the most I'll just say if I if I've worked with you in the past and you're listening to this podcast with hope here, I'll just let me just apologize. Because okay? <laughs> if I worked with you a couple of years ago, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was teaching you how to shut off the stress response, how to avoid it, how to let go of these negative emotions, and I apologize. Mm-hmm. So that being said, <laughs> and honestly, this again, this isn't this isn't me, Hope. These are people that are way way smarter, but the people that it's actually, I would say Aaliyah Crum 
from Stanford and uh, even Kelly McGonigal. Look them up on YouTube. They have some great stuff out there. But what they have discovered is what they... Well, actually, it's Aaliyah Crum and her crew that came up with something called the stress mindset theory. And what they found, which I just was just mind-blowing to me, that the stress response, and I think we can all relate to this, how the stress response in some cases, I mean, I don't, we can all, we'll all agree that the stress response, you know, will ruin your health, decrease performance and decrease your well-being, right? I don't anybody, we don't need any studies to show us that. Right. But I think we can also look at moments of high stress where our performance increased, our resiliency increased, and our well-being increased, right? And it's like, well, wait a minute here. How can there be these two completely opposite responses to stress? And this is what they studied. And why do some people, you know, they get sharper, they're high performing, they're more resilient, right? Like what's going on here? And then why are other people getting crushed by this thing? Right. And what they discovered was one of the most significant influences to whether stress has this negative effect, we'll call it, or a positive effect is how we relate to stress. Mm. For the people that are looking to avoid it and mitigate it, they are fine. And, that, and again, you can check the studies. Out. Again, go, go to Aaliyah Crum. There's all there. They measured the blood pressure. They measured the constriction of the arteries and all of these things. And the only difference between group A and group B was the way they looked at it. Mm. Okay. To the point where the people that looked at it as, oh my God, this is an this is a challenge. I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to get after it. My body is is helping me to overcome an obstacle because that's really what the stress response is. If you think about it, mm-hmm. it's an up leveling of resources to overcome something that's important for us to overcome. It's mobilizing the resources, right? And here's one of the coolest things. You know, one of the resources that mobilizes is a, is a hormone called oxytocin. I'm sure you've ho- heard of that, right? Hope well. Mm-hmm. Oxytocin in some circles, which I always find very funny, they call it the cuddle hormone. Have mm-hmm. you heard this? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> because it's a hormone that draws us to connect with others. It's like the social hormone. Mm-hmm. Well, what's so fascinating about the stress response is not only is it mobilizing resources with adrenaline and cortisol and these types of things, even dopamine, dopamine plays a role there, but oxytocin secreted from the stress response, which I thought was fascinating. It's like, well, why would the body? during a time of stress wow, secrete oxytocin mm-hmm. because you need to reach out to people and ask for support. That is How cool is that? Crazy. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. Like it's like our biology knows what it's doing. Knows what it's doing. That's yes. insane. It's so cool. But mm. when we teach people to shut it down, mitigate, right. avoid it, right. we're working against ourselves. Right. Right. And we're not leveraging this incredibly powerful machine that totally. actually has our back. Totally. Yeah, right? yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I think I find that so fascinating because, you know, and I say this all the time and not with those words, but it's like, I always say like, you know, your body has everything it needs to heal itself. Like, you know, like our body is equipped with everything it needs to heal itself. Like sometimes it just needs some help, but like literally your body is equipped, like what you're saying, your body is equipped to push you through a stressful situation, like to get you through the, to the other yes. side. And it's funny because, so that study there might be, I'm sure there's multiple studies, but there's, my husband sent me something on Instagram. It was a couple weeks ago. I want to say it was from the Joe Rogan show, but I can't remember. But there was some, there was a guy talking about it. It was a scientist. And he was talking about that exact thing that the people who was how people relate to stress, that is like the end result, how they respond to the stress. It's like their thoughts about the stress. I bet you it was Andrew Huberman. It might've been. Yeah. He's another 
I know he was on Rogan, and I okay. also know that he interviewed Aaliyah Crum. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm sure it was him. I'm sure it was, and it was a dude, so that might have been yeah. him. But I was like, and because my husband sent me that, and I'm like, this is crazy. Because yeah, like you're saying, and I feel like, you know, I feel like in my world too, like, you know, I, I work with a lot of like energy stuff and emotions and that kind of no. thing. I feel like it's kind of similar there where it's like, okay, when you stuff down the emotions and you don't allow yourself to feel the emotions, then they're stored in the body. They're stored 100%. as chemicals in the body. It's the same thing. Like 100%. let's feel it and move through it and push through to the other side. Like, that's what builds resiliency. And that's what allows us to like transmute things to get to the other side. Correct. So like, why are we trying to like prevent what just needs to just naturally happen. Exactly. And the emotion thing, I think I'm so glad you brought that up and I'm all aboard with what you said. Mm-hmm. And the piece that I have learned, and again, I'm I'm learning this myself. So just be clear, everybody. I always say to people, if you have any fantasy about me and my capacity, <laughs> just call my wife. She'll set you straight. But like what like learning how to integrate the emotional communication. That's another piece I talk about in my book. And it's like I don't think the goal or the target should be to be happy. Mm -hmm. Meaning like when we're focused on, I just want to be joyful. I just want to be peaceful. We're focusing on an emotion. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the roles of emotion, what emotions are, is there a communication system? And what they're telling you, and this is what they're finding uh, with the brain is like, and the hippocampus plays a big role with this, is it kind of detects when you're out of alignment with who and what's important to you. And emotions will get activated. As an example, we'll just call them the negative emotions. I don't like calling them negative emotions, yeah, but yeah, we'll call them sure. the emotions that are not comfortable. When they go off, it's an indication that something's off. We need to pay attention. It's even what anxiety does. Anxiety is an emotion that literally increases your sensitivity and has you be super hyper aware and focused. There's a reason. So the question to ask is, why am I anxious? Mm-hmm. What is it that's not, something's off here and I need to listen to this communication. The, the best analogy I can give you is like a navigation system in your car, right? What's the first thing we want to do when we use a navigation system? Enter the what? The Where destination. you want to go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The destination. What's the most meaningful and important place for me to go right now? I put it in the navigation system. And then as I'm going towards this we'll call it, you know, ideal target. The navigation system tells me when I'm off. Okay. It kind of might yell at me. It might say, Hey, you made a left. You should have made a right. To me, that's emotions. So if I say, Hey, what's most important to me, what's most meaningful to me is to live this life, to be this person, to create this outcome. Okay. If I'm aligned with that person and that outcome, I'll be fulfilled and happy. It's the byproduct. Right. Right. And if I'm not aligned with that person or that reality, I'm going to have that asymmetry within me and where I'm headed. And those will call them more, you know, uh, negative emotions are activated. Right. And here's another fascinating little ditty that I recently learned. Do you know what emotion activates neuroplasticity in the brain to trigger learning? Like the emotion that actually puts you in the best position to learn something, it's frustration. Mm. frustration is the emotion that they find that opens the brain up and just think about it for a second when are we frustrated Mm -hmm. when things aren't going the way we thought Mm -hmm. they would go right Mm -hmm. like the strategy i'm using right now in my life isn't working right right it's frustrating Mm -hmm. and so the brain literally goes this is frustrating we need to learn something here right we need to think about this differently we need to assess 
the situation and we the brain literally opens itself to learn and so this is why i say in those moments the last thing we sh- the last thing we want to do is turn it off turn it off right yeah we and that's the first thing we go to that's the first thing we go to exactly mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. has been so enlightening <laughs> for me right totally. you know and it's been such a game changer for me because i've i practiced this other way for yeah. so long well sure and you know i just always felt like i had to keep doing it over and yeah. over and over again it like never ended right, right? and it's right. because the emotional communication was never getting integrated it's like a kid when they say hey can i tell you something you need to hear this and you're just like uh yeah can you just stop they get louder yeah <laughs> they keep telling <laughs> they you find the pot i got something to say <laughs> exactly and they start banging it yes yeah and the other interesting thing i just want to say about stress which i thought was also very telling. I can absolutely tell your listeners right now, a guaranteed way to never be stressed again. Do tell. But stay tuned to our next episode. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The absolute guaranteed way to never be stressed again is to not care. Mm. That is the prerequisite Mm. to stress, right? Hope, were you stressed out about the Portugal, Ronaldo not starting in the Portugal World Cup game recently? <laughs> were, you, were you really, did you lose sleep over that? Can't say that. Uh, okay, all right, right. Why didn't that stress you out? Because you don't care. That's right. not, that's important to you, right. right? And so it is literally the only way not to be stressed. Now, I'm pretty sure you, me, and, and the listeners here aren't looking to not care about things. Right. You follow me? Right. And this is, and again, I think we have to be careful with some of the things out there that say, just be unattached. Right. And in some circles, that's the ultimate goal. Right. And I've, I've been in those, those environments where the goal is to be unattached. The root of all suffering is attachment. Like, wait, what are we talking about here? Right. Is attachment just a fancier way to say not caring? Right. Like how slippery is this slope? Mm-hmm. You know, and I've just seen it misinterpreted. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I've seen myself and others become very dissociated from themselves. Right. Because they're dissociating from that internal communication system mm-hmm. that's really, really trying to help us. Mm-hmm. But we're hitting the bullseye on the wrong target. And it's like, all right, well, how do we how do we get more connected? Even though that again, I don't want to keep going down these rabbit holes, but I think a lot sometimes it's very painful to be connected to some of the pain that we've had. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know trauma and things that have happened in our past. I think it's probably the biggest epidemic right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's 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 painful to be connected to oneself. Right. Right. But if we can we can help people create an environment of of a compassion inquiry to borrow from Gabor Mate, incredibly brilliant trauma specialist, like that compassionate inquiry to go inside of oneself, accept, accept all parts of us and mm-hmm. seek to understand these parts of us as right. opposed to trying to get rid of them. Right. Exactly. I think that's the key. I think that's the key. There is this kind of desire for like a deep understanding and learning more rather than just pushing it away and wishing it would just go away. I don't blame people for wanting pain to go away. Totally. Yeah. Nobody likes to feel pain and grief and shame and guilt and all those emotions. Like if you have no other option, like humans have an incredible ability to disconnect. Right. Totally. One of the things we have an ability to do and it's life-saving, especially if we're children in an environment that's nothing but pain. Right. Like our system just goes, all right, turn it off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank God it does. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's so true. And I love that advice about the stress. And it's funny, there's a a girl that I follow on Instagram and she's like an autoimmune 
specialist, whatever. And she posted something the other day about when people have an autoimmune disease. And the first thing they're told is your autoimmune disease means that your body is attacking itself. So then you automatically are like, well, crap, like, okay, my body is like, hates itself. So like, what am I supposed to do about it? So then all of these emotions come up. And so now you feel like your body is like revolting against you, rebelling against you and your body hates you. And so now they're like, and it's just- How is that helpful, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's like, okay, this is, and I feel like it's related to what you're saying where it's like- For sure. This piece about- yeah, I just feel like that. that's just this whole, like, it, it's just, let's just perpetuate the stress response. Like, how about exactly. that? Like, that's you know? exactly what it does. Yeah. You're, you're pouring gasoline on a fire. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And that's the other piece about the health paradigm or model that I also saw consistently across mm-hmm. physical, systemic, and mental, emotional mm-hmm. is all of the techniques created dependency, mm. meaning you'd have to do these things forever. Yeah. Which is extremely you know, beneficial if you're in business, right? Totally. You know what I mean? Again, unintended consequences, we'll just keep it in that category. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it's much better for me to give you something that you'll be dependent upon for the rest of your life from a business standpoint, let's just call spade a spade here versus, hey, you don't need any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Here's how you can empower yourself and not be dependent on anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That to me, that's vitality. Oh yeah, absolutely. When I think the vitality piece I used like, I know, it, I feel like the word's so overplayed, but that, that empowerment piece is, that's the piece of it is because, yeah, I mean, because that's what happens. Like you feel like your body, you know, in this particular example, like you feel like your body is just, you know, it's attacking itself, whatever I'm giving up. And so then, you know, I go to the doctor, whatever. And that's my only choice now, because the doctor's telling me my only choice now is to take all of this medication. And I'm going to be taking it the rest of my life. There's no other conversation about anything else or any other options or any other, like, avenues for you. Like there's nothing else. You give away your power to this thing and then that's your life. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to autoimmune disease, I mean, you know, forget my book for a second. I would highly recommend this other book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's Gabor Mate's new book. It's called The Myth of Normal. Mm. If you just read the chapter on autoimmune, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is so empowering to anybody who's struggling with that. And there's no yeah, shortage okay. of people struggling with autoimmune stuff. And it's not a coincidence. Yeah. Um, he also wrote the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, I know that's, that's, yeah. That's okay. I have that book. I know that book, okay. but yeah, that's different, yeah. but that is a good one. That's such yeah. a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I feel like we're on the cusp of really changing a paradigm here. And yeah. that's why it's so fun to be on the phone with people like you who are mm-hmm. already chomping at the bit and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. man, this is, I'm, I'm finding this too. I'm finding yes. this too. Right. Yes. Like, it's very exciting. And, it and is. you know, it's an exciting time it as, as much is. pain as there is in the world right now. I'd like to be hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and say that, you know, maybe we're we're the trajectory has changed, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what's really the most important. Yep. The shift. Yeah. So leaving people with, I know, I mean, not that we haven't talked a whole lot of tangible takeaways here, but if there is anything you wanted to leave at, I like to give little tangible takeaways here at the end. For people looking to like we're talking about, like stop trying to avoid stress, like you know, lean into vitality versus health. Like what are the biggest takeaways that you can give people right now? Things like things that they can start doing now. Yeah. If you like said, Matt, if there's one thing that could help everybody, I would say, and I've really been thinking about this a lot, Hope. So you're, you know, I've really been racking my brain. It's like, there's one thing that I could offer to somebody or I could give them one skill. It's the ability to slow down. Mm. We're so much on an automatic 
pilot. Like, I mean, if you've read the book, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, or, you know, I mean, there's all this, you know, I don't know if you've heard the, the, the little, you know, how many animals did Moses bring on the ark? Do you remember? Two of each. That's yeah. all I know. <laughs> right. But it wasn't Moses. It was Noah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's an example yes. of our brain. It, yes. it's, it goes to what's called the cognitive unconscious. It skips things. Quick, mm-hmm. It goes fast. Right. Mm-hmm. And so very quickly, we have Moses on the ark when we all know it was Noah's ark. Yeah. Right. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. Yep. And so the only way to combat some of these, we'll just call it super fast schemas from our past that has us kind of recreating the same reality over and over again, we got to slow it down a little bit. And so I think of them as kind of little micro kind of resets. I call them like get to 10,000 feet. Sometimes you just got to get to 3000 feet. I would say once a year, you should get to 20,000 feet Mm -hmm. and slow it down and really start to tune in and become more self-aware. I think self-awareness, slowing down, are so important because if we can't do that, we can't execute these new schemas right. and these new templates and these right. new new things, right? And so slowing down so we can execute these incredible things that people have to offer. And then the last two things, which I think definitely syncs with your message, Hope, is to two things. One, really focus on trusting yourself again and don't settle. Mm-hmm. It's the other thing I would say is don't settle for anything but what's possible or what what you want in your life. Like just mm-hmm. don't settle, man. Like it's all possible. Yep. Slow down, find people that can, you know, support you in, in, right. in a proper way. And, right. you know, you'll surprise yourself. Yeah. I love it. Such good advice. And I mean, you're like speaking to my soul because my biggest thing is always self-awareness. Like I talked about that on so many other podcast interviews. So I, I mean, you're, yeah, I love it. Awesome. I can agree hundred <laughs> percent. So I do have one more question I want to ask that I like to ask everybody before we finish, but before I do that, Tell everybody where they can find out more about you and your book that is doing really well. So yeah, yeah, yeah we're, I'm doing much better than I when I than I would have thought. We've I got love quite it. an amazing response, bestseller on Amazon right now. So awesome. that's very exciting. So yeah, you can get it on Amazon. It's just called Health to Vitality, Matthew Labosco. You can also go to healthtovitality.com. I have different courses and uh, actually just recently released an app where people can engage with the the movement stuff, the systemic stuff and the mindset stuff, like all the different pillars that you read about in my book. We're really trying to give people as many resources and and the book comes with a ton of resources, like it costs nothing. So you could pay 99 cents for this book and get all of the resources, hours of videos, work little routines to help you stay healthy, lots of stuff. So really tried to give people as much value as possible to help just with a little nudge of consciousness in this trajectory that you and I have been talking about. Yes. I love it. That's amazing. And of course I'll have links to all that in the show notes. And that's, I love that. It's so generous. I mean, you're, you're doing so much good work. This is awesome. I'm trying. <laughs> awesome. So the question I'd like to finish with, what do you think is the most important thing you can do to live with purpose? Trust what's most important to you right now. And don't worry about needing to know what the purpose is for your whole life. Okay. I think if you trust yourself that right now, this seems very important to me, it'll take you to the next place. Mm -hmm. Once you fulfill that, the next thing will occur to you. Mm -hmm. I think we are trying to make sense and control a intelligence and consciousness that we're never going to understand. And so if we can just trust the whispers, right? Put a little bit more weight on the whispers, I like to say. Mm -hmm. And if that's what's important to you right now, 
don't let anybody talk you out of it. Go for it. And don't think you have to commit for the rest of your life or the next 10 years. You don't need to know what you need to do for the rest of your life. Like right right now, it's like, you know what? What's really important to me is to do this one thing. And that's what I'm going to focus on for the next three to six months. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You don't need to know what the rest of your life is going to look like. And even if you think you do, you're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) from my experience anyway i love it totally yeah we always think we know we're headed and then i always call it the perceived plan hope it's the perceived plan (laughs) it's so true it's so true such sound advice too i love that thank you so much for that and i thank you so much for sharing all of your i mean your insight everything you've learned i mean you've just shared so much and i love everything you're doing and i love what you're doing to help just shift the conversation and shift the paradigm. And it's just, it's such important work. So thank you for that. And just for sharing your time with us today. Yeah. Well, it takes one to know one hope. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to hopeful and wholesome y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I'd love to know what you find useful in these episodes. So I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.